Mr. Hansen. Yes, you sir. You picked this season of our show, our second season, which is kind of the season. I think our first four were kind of like a uh, pilot episode of this show. And the second <laughs> season, we've kind of figured out what we're doing a little bit. And every one that you've picked, I, I, it makes me like the song more. Oh, I didn't pick and this I, one. This was this came from well, this uh, some iTunes. Yeah, but it came from your brain, right? Like I would. Oh, it, I, didn't it, see I mean, that. it is one of my favorite Beatles songs, without I, a question. This might have moved into my favorite Beatles song, if not my favorite Paul McCartney song of all time. After after just doing a little research, and uh, I I always listen to this song from the the musician standpoint because I've, I have to play it, you know. So right. there was when I first started, I was playing the guitar part, which for me was really hard. That second guitar part that's in there, and now playing the piano. I mean, that's all I think about is oh my gosh, this part is so hard. When I found out why the song was written and what Paul is doing in this song, I'm just I'm just absolutely blown away. So for whoever picked this song as our whatever installment is, whoever picked it on Apple, thank you so much. We're going to talk about You Never Give Me Your Money Yeah, from Abbey Road. This is an insanely good song, Jay. Um, <laughs> I don't even quite know where to begin, and I, I think I want to start in your arena just the sound of Abbey Road, the record. Oh, yeah. I, why does it sound... I mean, I think I have an idea kind of listening to this song. Why does this record sound so much different than anything else they did? And I, I mean, I think if you... You have to listen to it on vinyl. Like, if you listen to Let It Be, which they were recording essentially at the same time, right? I mean, it was... Mm-hmm. That started in January in the summer. They start working on Abbey Road. But they're messing around with some of these songs even in that January right. when they're recording Let It Be. That album, of course, is produced by Phil Spector, and it does not sound anything like Abbey Road. It's so warm. It's so inviting. So why? Oh, it, in your professional opinion, why does that sound so cool? Uh, I mean, it, it's it's easy. They changed uh, their their console at Abbey Road. Um, so they went from a tube console that they'd had since since day one of the Beatles recording, which was a uh, it was called a red. They started at a red seventeen, then it went to a red thirty-seven, and and then a red fifty-one, and then for Abbey Road, they actually changed to a um, a transistor, a solid state um, soundboard, as opposed to a tube one. Um, Jeff Emmerich hated it. Uh, Paul really? McCartney hated it because I I think McCartney's quote was. Uh, or a quote that he said is things are less fuck upable today. Like you can't oh. drive them in a way that, you know, uh, that you could do them with the tubes. Um, so it made, it made Abbey Road a much punchier record. Right. Um, right. And, and, uh, plus, you know, they're all eight track recordings at this point too. So, um, those two things, contributed greatly to to how it's it sounds stunning. so much yeah, yeah yeah i think it's stunning how great i mean I, I, maybe that's why it's my it's always been my favorite and i don't think i know why it's always been i just love the songs on there i love everything about it um i just I, in kind of researching this song ringo changed his drum heads 
to calf skin. This is for the drummers out there. I never give them love, right? So <laughs> I went to the Beatle. I went to the Beatle. You know our Beatle gear book, right? And I'm looking in there, and at this time, after Let It Be, when they got to Abbey Road, Ringo maybe for the first time changed his drum heads to these calf skin drum heads that he would tea towel. Oh, okay. Tea okay. And so his drum sound so freaking amazing on this record especially since they've remastered it they um they release like some early recordings of them like the take 36 that's like essentially the track mm-hmm. it's kind of them demoing it in there and you can hear the, how punchy the drum sound and that wasn't even at abbey road that was at uh, olympic studios i think they did that and they still sound i mean there's just something about that so there you go, drummers. I gave you love. <laughs> it's not just Ringo's drumming. It's his sound on this record, baby. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that was my first question. Why does Abbey Road sound so good? Yeah. I mean, there's there's a guy, uh, Ken Womack. He's a Beatle, uh, you know, a Beatleologist. He's written a yeah. book called about it called Solid State Abbey Road. Uh, I haven't read it, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a big part of why that record sounds so different uh, than the other one. Z. Yeah, I mean, adding the, adding the Moog is one thing. Having something like that, I mean, that obviously changed their sound a little bit. And yeah, I didn't even realize there was so much experimentation on this song, as as there is that goes on in it. So let's start with uh, the writing of it. This is solely a Paul McCartney song. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of the the norm at that time. They weren't really writing songs together. They would bring nearly full ideas into the studio that they would all kind of work on together. And on this record, especially, they're really working on them together. Right. Which is kind of cool, you know? Like, in one of these early recordings, you can hear McCartney kind of, hey, I brought the piano today. Oh, nice. You know, he's just kind of, he's just kind of like, just you know, you can hear, which is like a common, that's also used in a day in a life, the that little slur and oh, he kind of sure, yeah. you know, you can hear him, like and he's messing around and you can hear John in the background doing the ding 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 Oh the the arpeggio so thing you hear the cool. ideas kind of kind of being started so let's before I even we get to who it's about and why he wrote it let's go through what everybody's playing so McCartney is is playing <laughs> maybe some of his best piano a lot. is that on a grand is grand piano I think it's I think it's on the Steinway and uh, the uh, I don't know if you came across this, but the honky tonk part out of college, they have speeded that. So is that the same piano? So so it's like it's like in my life where they slowed it down to half speed, and he played it that way. So that's how he gets that sound, and that's how it's so kind of percussive sounding. Right, so cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so cool. same thing that they did in in my life. So there's also there's also something that I I'd never heard before, and I don't know if this piano would do it, but uh, it's not really doing it. But there's a there's a Leslie effect that he uses on the regular piano, especially in this like magic feeling, nowhere to go. Oh, it's, it's kind of subtle in the but in the demos you can really hear. He's like, oh, it's on the Leslie off, and it's only on those parts, and then it goes away. It's so cool. Just this little effect that you can, the remasters have really helped in that. So McCartney on all manner of piano. Pro- it up, probably, obviously. yeah. I mean, some people were like, uh, George Martin, but I mean, McCartney's definitely able to play that at this point. So, yeah. Right. Well, yeah, I want to talk about that at the end. Is this his best piano song? Because whew, it's a good one. Um, there's multiple guitars happening. We have 
it's very intricate what goes on there, right? I mean, it's one of my favorite George, guitar Beatle guitar songs. I love very, playing very this tasty. song. Very, very tasty. And it comes right out of the bat, right out of the gate with that, which is like referenced all throughout the song. And that's got to be George, right? I'm assuming. You know, people are, it goes back and forth. It's, it, so, some people are saying it's Lennon on the casino. It sounds like a Les Paul to me, but Jesus, I, I mean, thought it, that too. it's, it, I'm yeah. guessing. So, uh, that's probably George, but I, I don't know for sure. I think it is as well. I mean, it just, it's very tasty and you kind of hear him doing that. John's part seems to be the, the very jangly, uh, echoey things that kind of happen throughout, whereas George seems to have that dirty sound kind of throughout the whole song. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that mm-hmm. that comes in? So that's what we're going to call it, right? So George most likely on his Les Paul. Probably, yeah. Through a Fender? Oh, yeah, They're nothing but Fenders at this point. Solely using Fenders yeah. at this point. And you can hear that. It sounds cool. I think I mean, the Telecaster's it, in there, too. The Rosewood. Yeah, I think he's... The Rosewood like Tele the, that you see on the, the rooftop. The... The uh, the Leslie part in a do 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 ba do 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 that part, nowhere yeah. to go. Uh, I think that's I think that's a telly. That would make. I mean, it'll make sense. I think as we <clears throat> talk about the song, and then uh, Ringo on these drums is. I'm not sure if this is the Hollywood kit. There you go. I did a little research for the drummers. I'm I, not sure if this is I the think Hollywood it is kit. The Hollywood was, kit. Yeah. And this is the one that he would probably had the open head on that you see. Yeah, and he's got they two kind of, rack toms at this point. Yep, see, we're getting down on it. Yeah. Definitely with these new heads on it and and tea toweled, especially on Come Together. And that's kind of that unique sound you're getting in this song where the drums all throughout the long one, that's what we'll call the medley. The drums sound killer all throughout the long one, but man, comes out of the gate on this. Hey, I have to digress. Uh, so did you see the yeah. McCartney's dropping, you know, he's dropping the new yeah. McCartney three. Yeah. Did, you, did you see he's got his drums tea toweled up? Did you see that shot? Yeah, man. And he's playing the like the paperback writer casino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And today yeah, yeah. all the stuff is here's all the vintage stuff he was playing. Yeah, like, and that fifty four telly. Woo! Yeah, I'm gonna throw my headphones on that one, Jay. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry, I had yeah, to digress. No, when no, you said tea towels, I was like, we're oh, promoing. Yeah. Oh, the tea towels. Very important uh, Beatles sound. The tea towel, especially late Beatles sounds. People are like, what? Um, uh. We'll get to the overdubbing and things after that. Let's talk about why Paul wrote this song, which I I always kind of knew what it was about, but man, I am, my mind is blown. So chime in at any time. So mm-hmm. my understanding is um, during Abby, Let It Be, you know, the Beatles kind of switched managers. This is not an unknown thing. Their, their business since Brian Epstein died was tragic. Right. You know, they were kind of mishandling their own money. Tripping over themselves. And Alan Klein was a, a guy that you hear about. He became kind of famous in Beatle lore. He called himself the fifth Beatle, speaking of the fifth <laughs> Beatle. Uh, he's from New York. Uh, he managed uh, the animals. He managed the Rolling Stones. He uh, managed, I think, Herman's Hermits. You know, So he was known for handling big acts and getting their finances in order, uh, not in a delicate way. You know, He no. would kind of come in and bully his way. Right. He was a bulldog. And, and he did... <clears throat> And Paul actually suggested him before anybody else I kind of found in my research. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, in like 66 after, you know, <clears throat> the Beatles were a huge act and they thought Alan Klein. So then it got ugly because there was, you know, the Beatles were the biggest act in the world and Alan Klein was asking for a certain percentage. Here's your behind the music look into the business world. They always want what you got. Uh, and Paul kind of just said, hey, you know, we're the Beatles. 
the, they talk about this in the anthology, we're the biggest act in the world. He'll take a lower percentage if we tell him. John and George and Ringo are like, no, no, he's our guy. We got to give him what he asks. And Paul says, no, this is kind of the beginning of the end for the Beatles, this one moment. Mm -hmm. And it leads to even three days after they record the demo. So Paul writes the song. And then three days after they record the demo, the Beatles bully in on Paul and say, hey, you need to sign this contract. And Paul like leaves. You know, those guys leave, I'm sorry, and Glenn Johns is there. We talk about Glenn Johns. I don't know if you saw this. I just think it's interesting to tie it all together because Paul mistold the story in his autobiography and because of the timing. You know, we know because of uh, recording dates and all of that. Right. So this fight happens in the studio. The other Beatles storm off. Paul's there, pissed off, hangs out with Glenn Johns and Steve Miller, plays drums on a Steve Miller track, angrily. Right? Yeah. What's that song called? My Dark Hour uh, or something like that? My Darkest Hour. Yeah. Or My Dark. Yeah. Evidently, Paul loves that he, you know, that's how he got his anger out. So it's a dark time. The Beatles are ending. And Paul writes this song, You Never Give Me Your Money. Starting with the piano part, the, you never give me, the little A minor ditty there. Mm -hmm. And that's specifically about Alan Klein. You know, he was all about, on paper, you guys are... Millionaires. You guys are worth this on paper, right? And so that's kind of the theme. Paul takes that, writes this, you know, kind of scathing, I don't know, scathing review of this guy. And John actually likes it because he gets the dark tone and digs. Even though they're fighting and they're not getting along, John digs it, right? It's a great song. That's part one. That's the part we all know, the you never give me your money part. All right, God. Then Paul writes a part, this out-of-college money spent. This right, yeah. Out-of-college money spent, you see no future, pay no rent, right? That's about the Beatles when they were young. Yeah. Right? And that's about them, you know, they're out of school, Liverpool Arts College, you know, and they're, they're popping around, and everything in the world is one, you know, it's, it's all out there for them. It's so exciting, man. I had no idea. (laughs) And the music is supposed to kind of capture that time, that frenetic energy. That's why it's a total time shift. Not time shift, but, you know, the feel is different. The key changes. Definitely, yeah. The piano changes that you talk about. It's kind of a honky-tonk feel, but it's it's very uh, them in a Beatle bus driving around North England. That's what it feels like now that I hear it. Brilliant shit right there. No idea. Then we have this musical interlude, which is, could be considered the in-between, their career, where it kind of bounces all over the place. It's a... They get to a different key to get to this... One sweet dream, right? Yeah. This part is a theme that we see throughout McCartney's solo career in the 70s, the escape the breaking away from what was and what is coming and what is, you know, what, what is something to look ahead for and what Beatle people, and I'm, I consider myself a Beatle person, I know you do, mm-hmm. that nowhere to go, you know, nowhere to go, nowhere to go. That is, he changed it at the end. He originally wrote it, no, like I know yeah, where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, and then the it case. was nowhere to go. Like once, and that, it's kind of a nod to Linda. They were in New York when he wrote this part. Kind of, they got into a limousine, and the thing he loves about Linda, he wrote about it in Two of Us, is they would just get in a car and go anywhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She didn't care. And that was what John was like, and he found that in Linda. And that's kind of what this part is. Awesome, this yeah. part. Yeah. Awesome. 
which then it goes into a, a, an ethereal theme that we kind of hear throughout this. Yeah, I mean, that, that motif is brought back several times throughout, All throughout side that two, and it's, it's yeah. so, so cool. So you have us ascending, right, ascending into what's next for the Beatles, and that's John and George doing that part. And Paul, and I had no idea, makes up these loops, yeah, and he goes yeah, home yeah. and makes up these loops. Like he couldn't, they couldn't figure out how to get from "You Never Give Me Your Money" into "Sun King." Right. And he comes up with these loops and has these chimes. So McCartney is like the experimental Beatles of the past, and and John and George looking to the future, while Ringo is keeping them all together, which he does. Ah, man, Jay, this one got me good. <laughs> this song is amazing. It, it is. I didn't it know. Is. I didn't know that it was. It was. McCartney kind of saying, this is what's going on with us. This is how we got here. And this is what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah. So cool. So cool. Man. Um, Thoughts? <laughs> the tape loops. There's cicadas yeah, in there. Crickets. Yeah. Birds, cicadas, and the bells, obviously. Um, yeah. There's the three main segments, uh, but supposedly it was written... Uh, like there was five or six different little segments that McCartney had that he kind of melded together with. I mean, I think this is this is this is where we see Admiral Albert Uncle Halsey. Right. This is right. where we see Band, Band on, on the, the run. run. This it starts here with this song. Yeah. Which he, he commonly comes. I mean, Egypt Station, his last record. He did it again. You know, he loves these little escape motif songs that really starts with Sgt. Pepper, right? I think that's probably in his head, oh, this will be like a medley, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. we see it first time fully realized here because this was the start of the medley. This was the first song and gave them the idea for the medley. Yeah. Um, man. George Martin let's, told let's, him to, to yeah. think symphonically. That was his advice at the beginning of when they started recording Abbey Road was think symphonically, and I think that uh, I mean you can you can look at this as each part is a different movement of like you know you'd see a classical yeah. composer. Is is Paul McCartney? I want, I want to talk about Paul for let's take hold, I want let's take five minutes to talk about McCartney. Okay, Just off the cuff, McCartney does, is Paul McCartney the greatest untrained musician of all? I mean of modern rock, and there's a lot of them. But I mean, this guy has no musical background other than his dad played trumpet and he grew up around music. And at age, what is he, 28 here? 28 at this time? 27, 28? Sounds right. He creates this, just just this one song would be the greatest ELO song or the greatest, (laughs) and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, you know what I mean. There are so many groups that want to sound like this and he just... (laughs) Man, is he the is he the best? I, I mean, name somebody better. Right. <laughs> I, I I can't. All around. I mean, he, bass, bass, guitar, piano, composition, lyricist, arranger. <laughs> right. He was yeah. the music. I mean, I discovered in this, and you know, you hear this, and the, the reason that the the guys kind of got pissy with Paul is that he was the music director because they needed one. Right. I mean, if the, if if Paul hadn't like driven the car we probably so don't have abbey road we probably don't have the white album 
Right. I mean, they, they probably stopped. they probably dissolve after Brian Epstein dies. Yeah. I mean, that's you know who knows, but but he definitely was the the guy that wanted to do this. You know, John and right. George were like tired of it. You know, whereas he's yeah. like, I mean, I read today that like you know he said at that point, I'll play music until the day before I die, and and I mean he's living proof Truth. of that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's just, and, I mean, and he it said, amazes, yeah. He said, you know, like when, before they got signed, like one of the early sessions they had at, at at Abbey Road, he talked to George Martin about, you know, if this doesn't work out with the band, I still want to do this. You know? I mean, th- this was, this is, you know, he, he's he he's living that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he he's 75 and he's releasing a new record. Yeah. I can't wait to hear it. You know, yeah, it'll be amazing. He is. Uh, it's made in rock down. I know. I Kate and I read that yesterday. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't think of that. Oh my god. Oh my god. Um, so great. He he, like his evolution just as a piano player, is. I mean, you're talking about a guy that started out writing. You know, like we talked about. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll tell you something. That was how he started. You know, mm-hmm. and maybe that. You hear that or something on Misery, but then he, you know, and then he evolves a little bit. And, you know, by Lady Madonna, we, you hear this guy come out with this, this riff, uh, Martha, my dear. I could never play that song. I mean, I'm, I'm trying Martha to talk McCartney all He was taking piano lessons. It's Martha, a, Martha, my dear was a piano lesson song. Love it. This guy is, yeah. I mean, it, it probably has something to do with his left-handedness. You know what I mean? He's he can play both ways, and his left hand is as ridiculous as he is. And I know there there are people who oh, he's cheesy, and he's you know what? The guy was just positive, and that's not cheesy. You know, no. you kind of as you look in this time when everybody else was so negative, and you know, he loved being a Beatle. It was he was all about it. And I just I this song is man. I think it's better than Hey Jude. I mean, I really do. I think. Oh, I. I, this, <laughs> I don't. I'm, I, 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 I'll, I'll just keep. We mind. get to play it tonight. I know. Jay, we I get know. To play that's it. what. That's that's what I love about this run is that we're doing it. We're doing it every night because because and and dude, I'll, I'm not just saying this because he's your kid. Yeah. I freaking love <laughs> doing the guitar parts with Kieran. It is so cool. And and Jay, it's, it, uh, I mean, I get to watch it, man. It's great. It is so cool. cool. It is it is one of my favorite moments of doing this show for twelve years. Ever. Is yeah, is man. and and I just love how. I mean, he sounds great. He's playing him great. You can tell that he's he is in it. He freaking loves it, and it's it 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 brings it. You know, I've turned into a Grinch through uh, through the pandemic, and so it it is making my heart grow. And you know, he's he's like uh, he's like Whoville for me, Billy. Yeah, man. It's uh, <laughs> I gotta tell, I'm, I'm choked up. Obviously, like t- t- side note, everybody, you gotta come see our show, man. It is something special. Uh, yeah, he like he's doing the stuff that I used to do. So I, it's, it's, you know, but I'm seeing it from my perspective now, which I'm loving, like from the piano part and I get to see 
him step in where I was way better, by the way. He actually plays it right, and it's oh, he's, awesome. I mean, he's better than I am. Yeah. It's great. He is something else. And then at, when you guys are soloing off each other, it's just, it, ugh. But he comes up to me the other day and he's like, Dad, because you came over and you're like, hey, on Because, what's that sound you're using? And he tells you and you go, man, that sounds real good. And like I could see his face and he like looked at me and he was like, awesome. I mean, it was Jay Hansen <laughs> told him his tone was good. Anyway, you got to leave this stuff in that here. Is. This is it good sounds stuff. Great. For the people that come great. to our show and hear us, this is... It's awesome. But yeah, this song is, um, it's really unbelievable. And a revolution in the head. They say some really amazing things about this song. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to just pop a couple of things out of here they talk about. Because it's really, it says, having regretted this loss, which is, you know, talking about McCartney and how he was heartbroken, how the Beatles, you know, how John and George kind of fell out of love with being Beatles. Yeah. This was kind of his safe haven. And since his mom had died, he'd found protection with John, you know? I mean, oh, interesting. Yeah. They had that in common and he kind of lost that. And it's also kind of the end of the 60s. They, they get really deep in this, in this book. Yeah. But it, it says, having regretted this loss, the song shows us what it's all about in a quick kaleidoscope resume of the group's ambiguous blend of sadness, subversive laughter, and resolute optimism. Everything hangs on the words nowhere to go, arrived at ruefully, but instantly spun round and seen from the other side as freedom as opportunity. The Beatles' future may be gone, but McCartney is determined to salvage their spirit and that of the 60s in his future. You Never Give Me Your Money marks the psychological opening of his solo career. I mean, when you look at that, this song from that way, find me the better Beatles song. Yeah, like I said, and that's, God, that's a great quote and so funny because I almost, I almost brought the book down to read that exact <laughs> yeah, same passage. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean it does. It, it it informs it informs Ram, it informs Band on the Run. Um Yeah. Yeah, but it, it sums it up always, their career as well, right? Yeah, it, it, it it's real, so that's cool. the part I never yeah, it's um man, let's we talked a little bit about playing it live. But if I remember seeing like one of the early inspirations for yesterday and today, I saw a, a bad band play this one, and it wasn't that they were bad; they were just a Beatle tribute band. And this song is a beast with four dudes. Oh, it's impossible! With and four they were dudes. they were yeah, and they were trying to do it with four dudes. Which yeah, if you're gonna yeah. d don't even if you're a, you wear the wigs and you dress up, my goodness, find a way to fill this out. That's what most people do. We do play every part live. Um, it's a, it's a tough song. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know where I was. I just got lost in thinking how hard. Oh, I saw this band play it. And, and, but it inspired me, though. Like, they played the whole second side of Abbey Road, and I thought, one day I will definitely play that on stage. Nice. And, and for, I don't know, most of our career at playing this song, we struggled with this. I know I did. Sun King is one of the hardest songs to ever play live because it's difficult. But it really starts <clears throat> with this song. Yeah. Um, it's it's tough. You gotta you gotta have a piano player that can hack the beginning, and I hack it. I know that I'm not a piano player. I hack my way through it. But sounds great to me, man. You know what? I'm getting there, baby. Uh, you you gotta have two guitar players for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is like kind of like we talk about where those two parts they practice them together. They came up with those parts together, and one doesn't work without the other. Right. They're very very important. Yeah. Uh, McCartney's bass playing. 
as with this whole record, tears it up on this one. There's some like cool chording things he does on. Is that? It's hard to tell if it was the Hoffner on this. Is it the Hoffner or the? Well, there's so there's a bass six on there too. And we don't know if it's John That's- or if it's George playing it, but yeah. So the bass six so- makes an appearance um, as well as McCartney's bass. What whether it's and that's why I, that's why I wanted to listen to my illicitly found uh, isolations. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so anyway, my but email. yeah, yeah. So uh, let's see. So McCartney vocals, background vocals, bass, piano, guitar. Tubular bells, do 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 do, uh, and the tape loops. Uh, the tape. So he came up with those originally. It was like an organ sound leading them from the end of "You Never Give Me Your right. Money" into "Sun King," and they decided that didn't work. So he came up with the with the cool tape. And it works. Loops. Yeah, totally it works. works. Great. It's so cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, live you probably don't need that part, but if you're just gonna play the, if you're gonna, if you're gonna send that. But if you're going to end there, that's kind of a nice ending, but you got to have those. Yeah. And you got to wait for the <laughs> dum, 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 dum. Yeah. It's, mm, cool. it's a tough one. Your drummer has got to uh, really drive you through this one because there's some great Ringo drum fills. Again, that's a super 70s Ringo sound. All those cool, cool drum fills that he does throughout this song. Yeah. It's, it's a good one, baby. Uh, how do you feel about playing it live? Oh, it's, Personal it's, thoughts? it's, it's, it's one of my favorites to play. I mean, it is guitar-wise. It is, it is as challenging as any any Beatles song, and so I love playing it. It's yeah, it's, it's fun. Uh, it, you got the tone on it, and I I notice these are the things I watch with you. You switch guitars. This is one that you'll sometimes play the Rosewood Telly. You'll sometimes play the Strat. Oh, I'm the Telly for the Strat, the, the Les Paul. But I've seen you do the Telly every now and then. It gets that ripping sound on it. I yeah, the Telly's been bumming me out this run, so I brought it home and changed strings, and we'll see what. Uh, so I'll be using it more t- today. Did you find the little story about George's Les Paul? Uh no, I didn't see that today. Found the, so George was known to uh, his Les Paul was Lucy for this mm-hmm. guitar. Mm-hmm. Um. So I heard this story about, I don't know if this was Lucy that he lost, but his thing was like giving people Les Pauls. It was like gifts that he would give to people. He eventually gives Lucy to Eric Clapton, right? And this is like, am I, was the other way around? No, Clapton gave him, gave it him to him. Lucy. Yeah. So it was like one of his most prized possessions. Like this, so special that Eric gave it to him. He was in Malibu at the time, like in the early 70s, and he puts... This is the Les Paul you hear all throughout Abbey Road, which is why it's relevant. He puts it under the uh, the bed, and somebody breaks into the house he's staying in, steals that guitar. Guy walks into Guitar Center, <laughs> $600 buys this guitar off the wall, and then they call... And then they somebody comes in and it's like, hey, did you find this guitar? And the guy's like, oh my God, I just sold this to a guy who lives in Mexico. So, so they, they get a hold of the guy and he realizes what he has and he, he gives them a list of the guitars that he would take to get it, give it back to George Harrison. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about he wanted like a 54 Les Paul gold top, uh, oh you know, a, a, Esquire telly, and they ended up giving him a Beatle bass that George had. It's like something. And then a, a telly and the guy eventually gets it back. But that's how they get it back. So hold on to your gear. That's our other lesson from your Uncle Billy and Uncle Jay. We've all had stuff <laughs> stolen and you don't want it to be you you don't have beetle gear to give away to get it back <laughs> it's 
time to rate this song, Mr. Hanson. Unless you have anything else to add. I'm sure you found something on the deep dive I might have skipped over. Oh, let's see. It's one of five songs to mention the color yellow. Interesting. The yellow lorry slow. Nowhere to go. Lorry, of course, being a uh, work truck, I believe. Yeah. 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 The yellow lorry slow. Nowhere to go. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. Altogether now, walrus, yellow submarine. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds or the other four. That's the only tip you'll, you'll only kind of tip you'll hear here. This is a good one. Um, Love the song, Jay. I yeah, do great. too. The only other thing I have, this was the medley was um, inspired by a gentleman named Keith West, who nobody knows much about except that he mm-hmm. is probably like. Someday there'll be a movie made about him because he was he was pretty big in the psychedelic scene in the in Britain. Um, but uh, he has a song called Grocer Jack, subtitled an excerpt from a teenage opera. And uh, so McCartney has mentioned that this was an inspiration for uh, for this song. That's Keith West. Keith West. Look for your movie when movies can be made again. <laughs> this is That's a medley. A medley within a medley, which I yeah. think is interesting. The medley starts a medley. Brilliant stuff. I don't know of any other, any other, anything outside of a musical that happens in that or an overture. Brilliant stuff by McCartney. This whole medley inspired, um, this song in particular inspired scenes from an Italian restaurant. Billy Joel was oh, trying sure. to kind of yeah. rewrite uh, Abbey Road, um, which he does a great job of. That's probably one of America's best attempt at revisiting this great medley. Oh, yeah, nice. Um, McCartney has not played this song live much. He did do it uh, on the new, uh, what tour was this? The 2006 tour where he messed up the words on purpose. Oh, really? Out of college, money spent, see no future, pay no rent, all the money's gone, nowhere to go. This is the yellow lorry part, but he would say, this is the bit where I don't know the words and I don't think I'm going to bother to learn the words before the end of the tour. <laughs> he did that a little bit. I always, I got to see him do that. I would go, oh my God, that's so cool. And then he would do the, oh, that magic feeling. And then everybody in the crowd would sing it. He just did it on a piano alone. It was the coolest thing. He said, I've never played it live, but I wrote it like this, and it was really cool. On That's like a little so cool. Fender Road sound. That's the kind of stuff you'll only get on our show, people. <laughs> nice, nice. Mm-hmm. We are, again, before we let you go and we rate this song, we are on Spotify. We're on Apple Music. Please uh, subscribe. We're trying to do this weekly. Um, we're doing our best to do it. Our last episode, Jay, was I Want to Hold Your Hand. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. That was an exciting one. We gave that very high marks. You gave it, I believe, a perfect 10. I did. I went 10. Yeah. And I think I went 8, 9. Uh, we're now going to look through our glass onion, which is kind of our thing. We peel back all these layers, why they wrote it, how they recorded it, what we like about it. You know, is this Paul McCartney's best piano song before we go? Oh. I can't answer that. I don't, I'm not yeah. familiar enough with his. With I don't pay attention to his piano playing. You know. I'll give you. I'll give you like five here. So we have okay. a song, "My Love." Yeah. Right. That's yeah. A, I was. That's a poem. I went Let solo stuff. Yeah. Long and winding road. Maybe I'm Maybe amazed. I'm amazed. Right. That's where. La- I went Lady to. Madonna. Yeah, Lady Madonna's tricky. That that intro uh, is so weird. What's the one so that's weird. like? Da, 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 da. You gave me the answer to love eternally. That's on Venus and Mars. Great okay. piano stuff. Wanderlust. 
this one's so good, man. It's not because it really isn't that hard when you look at the chords. I mean, but the way he does it, so tasty and so heartfelt. Yeah. And you can, if you listen to the heartbreak, not in, just in his vocals, but when he plays it too. Mm, I'm going to, I'm going to go this one. It's just good. Nice. He really ties both together. Let us know your thoughts. Info at billymcguigan.com. Jay, let's have your rating, my friend. I'm going nine five. Yeah. Very high marks yeah. from the uh, Norwegian judge on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I just don't go with low marks anymore. I just. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I should sometimes. I, I'm probably losing credibility with the skeptics, but that's okay. <laughs> That's okay. We don't mind. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't care. My show. Yeah. Our show. That's <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, again, it's it's always been one of my top five Beatle favorites. Um, so much fun to play live for me. And, uh, yeah, I think it, it points to, it, it is, it points to my favorite Paul McCartney song of all time, Uncle Albert. So, yeah. I actually feel nine fives low, but I'm going to stay there. I'm going to go 10. Yeah. I'm definitely giving this an essential. This might, uh, this could have just been the medley alone. <laughs> totally. You know, John, John could have done the one sweet dream part and George could have done the one, two, three, four, five, six and Ringo. And it could, we would have had that medley, mm-hmm. uh, but it definitely put them in the right direction. And when you talk about thinking symphonically, I think this is McCartney's A Day in the Life. Oh, yeah. I, and, and I mean, Hey Jude is a great song. It's a three-chord song anybody can grab and play, which is awesome. This is not an attainably live song. The Beatles didn't ever intend to play it live. Right. And the fact that it just wraps up their career, I just will think of this song in a completely different way for the rest of my life. Yeah. So whoever suggested this song, see, you change our views. That's yeah, awesome. Totally. Thank you for picking this song. And we get to play this song every night for the next two weeks. I know. It's great. But we play it all the way through the end. So uh, if you get a chance to check us out, uh, we're here in Omaha for the next two weeks. And then for the first time in our careers, we're taking November and December off. So be well out there, my friends. We're still in a pandemic in America anyway. Wear your mask, please. Yeah, Ireland's like in big lockdown now again. Listen, my Irish people. Listen, people. Get it together out there. Yeah. We're going to get it together. All right, Jay. I don't know what's next. Have right. to be a good one. Yeah. All right. I think it's be your well, turn, right? Is it your turn? I think turn? it is my turn. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. I'll just open the book. How about we give him a little preview? I'm just going to open Revolution in the Head. Oh, okay. The first one it opens up oh, to. Here is, we go. This is just like the show. Hold me tight. Oh, it's just, it feels so right. So reading excellent. about that one yesterday. Cool. The ninth song recorded by the Beatles, according to our book here. So we're going to do Hold Me Tight next. We're going early. We're going deep. Now we're going early. Thank you guys very much. We're looking through the glass onion. Peace. Love.